How are we doing? Good. Feeling warm? A little bit better now that you're held up. If you don't feel warm, do what Emma's doing. Put your arm around the person next to you. Uh, if you've never met them, great opportunity to get to know them. Okay? Uh, if it's someone of the opposite sex and you're single, congratulations. Okay? <laughs> That's what we do here. Anyway, quick announcement before we get into the Word of God. Uh, today is our... Uh, actually, real quick. What happened to this section? Like... <laughs> Is there something here? Does it smell in just that area? Is that interesting? Anyway, um, quick announcement. We are, today is the last day uh, that we're going to be taking up our Advent offering. And so um, if you're not familiar with what that is, every year we do kind of a special offering through the month of December, during Christmas, during Advent. Uh, and all of that money goes directly outside our doors to different partnerships, uh, both locally and around the world. <laughs> today is kind of the last day before we kind of compile everything and then send the money off. And so if you've been meaning to give a gift, uh, but you haven't had a chance to do so yet, today's the last day. All you have to do is drop it in the offering box, write down Advent offering on the box, and then leave that with us, and then we'll go ahead and continue to pass that out. So again, the three things we're giving to, uh, we kind of saw this close, near, far type of idea. So close is kind of in-house. Uh, we're going to be partnering with AZ-127, which is actually an organization that Redemption is heavily involved with um, to, to work with the foster care and adoption system here in Arizona, as well as help support a couple here in our church uh, that is going through the adoption process themselves. Okay. Uh, second thing we're giving to is, is our NEAR, which is here in Flagstaff. We're partnering with another local church uh, called uh, Mountaintop Assembly of God and Pastor Jackie Holgate and some mission work they're looking to do with some of their people uh, out on the reservation. So we're doing that as well. And then the last thing that we're looking to partner with is in China and uh, in church planning in Central China through pioneers and some missionaries that we know out that way. Okay, so again, if you want to give to those endeavors, uh, today's kind of the last day before we send that money out, and we'll kind of announce that total to you next week and, and how close we got to our goal. Alrighty? That said, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 10. You guys probably have it memorized. But in case you don't, it's on the screen. Okay, Deuteronomy 10. If you don't have a Bible and you want to follow along with us, which we'd recommend, uh, we pass out Bibles here, so just raise your hand up and you can get one. Anybody? Yeah, there you go, Sarah. Good job. Josh. Josh has got his hand up. Also got his hand up because he just got engaged, which is very exciting. Way to go. To, uh, to Andy Faulkner, who's in children's ministry. Way to go, Andy! That being said, uh, this is an interesting week. Like last week, um, as pastors, we're always trying to figure out what are we going to preach on on the last Sunday of the year and the first Sunday of the year. They're always kind of two weird sermons because uh, most people are gone. All churches are very transient. Everyone just showed up at Christmas, uh, so no one shows up the following week. And then the first week of the year, usually there's a sermon about resolutions or something about how to make your life better or you know your best life today or, or something like that And so uh, th- this becomes somewhat of a, an interesting option for me about what we do. And so we were going to start a four-week series next week, uh, but we did, we just extended that to a five-week series that starts today. Okay? Uh, and so you guys kind of get the introductory message to this series. Um, we're going to be starting Mark. The entire book of Mark will be in Mark for, uh, I don't know, a long time, uh, starting on February 9th. But until then, we're going to do the series that we call, we've entitled Family Matters. Okay, and uh, yes, it is loosely based off of the TV show. Okay, um, if you haven't seen the TV show Family Matters, you're either too young or shame on you. Okay, because uh, because Carl and Eddie and Harriet and Rachel and Steve obviously uh, are all pretty near and dear to my childhood, and so uh, we will kind of reference some of that within this. Although this is not a series about the TV show, so don't get too excited. 
what this series is about is that we found that we've got to a place, okay, we, we just celebrated our two-year anniversary just a couple months ago. We were in this place where we're starting 2015. Uh, we as a staff are looking towards where are we headed, what's the vision for our church, where are we at today, what have we done, and where are we going, right? There's this common mentality, I think, within the world today of arrival, if that makes sense. Right, that, that we get somewhere and then we, we can kind of check out, we're done, we, we've arrived, we're at this place. And so I think for us, the flinches is almost to, to slow down. Not just as a church, but as individuals. Uh, I was at a high school graduation. Uh, this is probably about a couple of years. No, man, we're going about three, four years ago. And I remember being at this, this graduation, and I'm sitting in the stands, and I see this group of kind of this, you know, these young kids, and they're acting kind of cocky, and they're walking around, and they're strutting, they're doing all this thing. And I find out this kid, right, he's, he's a junior, but he's going to become a senior, right? So he's going from the junior year of high school to the senior. And so he has this mentality. You can just say, okay, we're seniors now. We've arrived. We're done, right? And so you just kind of see them kind of walking. He just got his first muscle, right, just the other day. You know, and so he's just like, I'm here. I've arrived. And I think we just do that at different stages of our life. But we get to certain places and we say, okay, well, you know what? Like, I've got, my, I've got the job, I, I've got the girl, I've got, I've got the children, I've got whatever the landmark is in life that becomes for you a rival, okay? And then we have this season usually of complacency, and then usually the complacency wears off and then you try something new, okay? That's usually kind of the cycle of life. What I think we need to battle against as a church is that very same thing. Is that two years in, We've seen a lot of really neat stuff happen here at the church. We've seen growth. We've seen people get saved. We've seen growth internally, discipleship. Really neat things happen. I think we can get into this mode of, okay, now we're healthy. We've got family. We're, we're a church now, right? I, I joked this a couple months ago that we, as a staff, we're really starting to identify ourselves as an actual church because of how many more complaints we get than we did when we were a church plant, right? When we were a church plant, it was like, music's around, I don't care, right? It was, uh, well, I don't like the way the chairs are seated. I don't care. It was, uh, well, I have to crawl over this other person to get to communion, if you remember the old building. Remember that? Don't care. But the reality is when we get that is the expectations go up, and we need to respond and do well with that, and we need to change some things on our end that at times we've fallen behind and not done well with. And so what this series is to do is not just to reorient the way as a staff we think about how we're adjusting and we're addressing the new season, but you as individuals, as Christians, how do you move into the life that God has called us to live? That you're a Christian, if, and, and listen, some of you here, you might not be a Christian, so this is going to be a different story for you. You're going to hear this, and this is almost like when you sit down with your family and you have a family meeting about what issues you want to work on as a family. Like that the kids aren't coming home at 5 p.m., right? They're supposed to come on when the lights, when the street light comes on. That's not happening. Okay, and so what are some of the things as a family that we think here at Redemption Church Flagstaff that we need to address, okay? And so that's why we chose Family Matters. Two reasons. One, because family matters. Right? It's important. Family is important. And secondly, these are the matters that we'll talk about. Acts 17, 26, and 27 says this, just to prove to you that, that God sets this up, that this community that's here today, whether or not you're here just visiting for the week, you're here on, a, uh, on purpose, that God did not make a mistake on drawing you here today. He says this in Acts 17, 26, and 27. It says, He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. 
Ready? Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Okay? That God in his sovereignty, in his knowledge, in knowing what's going on, seeing the whole story and offering the whole thing, said, okay, you and you and you and all of us, I'm going to allot the time and the place with which you will exist and reside and dwell. You're here on purpose. And so if we're here on purpose and God has called us here, we then must actually begin to live like this is a reality for us as a family. That God drew us together for a reason. And we're going to get into some of that over the next five weeks. But I want us to understand that God has done this intentionally, that we as a family are called to this corporately to live this way. And if you try and live the Christian life by yourself, you will fail every single day. It cannot be done. There is not a context in Scripture for your Christian walk that is outside community, that is outside the church. Okay? And so push forward into that. So here are the five topics we'll talk about today. Today is just kind of general intro and family. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to use Season 2, Episode 9's title of Dedicated to the One I Love. Okay? Next week will be prayer. The following week will be evangelism. Week 4 will be mentorship. And the last week will be giving. These are just things that we think as a family, we just got to talk about. If we want to be the people that God has called us to be, this is stuff we have to talk about. That's the idea. Okay? So, intro to this, uh, to this episode, dedicated to the one I love. What's going on is, is Carl, who's the husband, okay? um, him and Harriet, his wife, have begun to have marital troubles. And so there begins this growing divide between them where they're not clicking anymore. The love seems to be going away, and Harriet calls him on it. Right? Hey, it calls me and says, you know, I see you looking at this other woman. I see you doing this. And we just feel distance. It doesn't seem like you love me the way that you used to love me. It doesn't seem like you're doing the things that you used to do to show that you loved me. There is no response to my love. And so they get into this, this whole thing. And then Carl spends the rest of the episode proving his love, if you will, to his wife Harriet. In response to the reality that he loves his wife, he wants her to know, because the reality has been in his heart the whole time. He's been in love with Harriet. He does not change that. That's always been there, but has begun to drift. And again, I think this is what happens in churches when we get complacent. We begin to drift a little bit. And so how do we re-engage? How do we step in and say, no, I'm going to, in response to my love for you, God, I'm going to live my life this way. Okay? And that's what we get to look at today. So um, I want to share a quote with you from, uh, from this guy, Stanley Hauerwas. And if, if anyone in here knows me, this guy's like my favorite. Um, and if you haven't read anything of his, I, I do recommend it. But um, I think one of the issues of why we, uh, we get into the Christian walk, we find ourselves in it, and then there's, there's this complacency, there's this arrival moment, there's whatever we want to call it, um, is because sometimes we're selling an incomplete gospel. Sometimes what we're doing is, is we're just saying, okay, hey, it, it's, a, it's about getting saved. Right? And, and, and then it's about happiness. So it's, okay, you've got issues, you've got pain, and so if you come to God, life gets better and you're saved. That has become kind of the truncated gospel of Western America. What the Bible calls us to is far more robust. And I love what he says in the interview, and this is back in 1991, so I think he was even looking ahead a bit. He says this, he was asked in an interview, so the Christian message is, uh, isn't, sorry, so the Christian message isn't something like, get saved, live the good life, and you'll be happy. 
He said, no. That's an awful message to even be sending our children. What do we do when we educate kids to be happy and self-fulfilled is to absolutely ruin them. Parents should say to their kids, what, do you, what you want out of life is not happiness, but to be part of a worthy adventure. You want to have something worth dying for. It's awful when all we have to live for is ourselves. That's what the gospel reveals to us. The good news tells of an adventure that humans have been made part of God's grace through Christ and through the church. God made each Christian part of this God's sacrificial life so that the world might know that it is not abandoned and that there is salvation. That's who Christians are. Doesn't that sound like a joyful thing? I use the language of joy because happiness is just too pale to describe this adventure. Okay? So I think what we're sold on is kind of this vision of happiness, but if we're honest with ourselves, you weren't happy probably this morning waking up. And so what happened? Right? I know I got to get up at 5.30 to get a trailer that got stuck in the snow because I forgot I had to shovel it. And so I was at 6 a.m. shovel. I was not happy this morning. What happened? I'm supposed to be at all times, right? That's what the gospel says, is that there should be happiness. No. That there's a far, worthy, far greater, far more worthy adventure that is to be had of which joy is fully possible, but happiness might indeed be fleeting and every other day. Okay? That, again, that has to be at a, a really undergird, at a, at a foundational level, how we see the gospel. Because if we begin to miss that, then listen, I get why we check out. If the gospel is just get saved and have a happy life, listen, let's all leave and go do something different. Not that we don't enjoy this, not that we can't have happy and fun and sing and enjoy it. It's just meant, maybe not every week. Maybe we just do all this differently. Maybe we don't read the Bible as much. Maybe we don't have to pray because it's about our happiness and we determine our happiness, don't we? We've been sold sometimes an incomplete gospel, and I think that leads to sometimes an incomplete church with an incomplete mission. And so we need to press in, see what the gospel tells us, and then now, if we accept that reality, take on what God has called his people to, his family to. Okay, excuse me. <coughs> so here we go. Deuteronomy 10, starting in verse 12. Mm-mm. And now Israel... What does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Okay, so um, this is obviously Old Testament, God addressing Israel, okay? God addressing what? His chosen people. Now, the message given to Israel here in Deuteronomy 10 is repeated in all sorts of ways in the New Testament, but I love that when we can look at this, we can see this has been God's plan the whole time. Okay? It, it, it's not just like okay, God put together the church after Jesus and said, okay, now this is your mission. This has been the mission of God for his people since way back when. Okay? Even go, listen, if you go all the way back to the fall, right after the fall, God's rescue mission was exactly this. Be this type of people for this world. And so we read about Israel is true for us today, and I think it gives us a nice rubric with which we can triage ourselves corporately and individually. That we can look at our lives and begin to ask questions. Where am I at in this? Where am I at in this? Am I doing this? My goal is not to get specifics here for us, but rather to point us to a greater holistic argument that the church should live on mission this way. 
and then we're going we're gonna to flesh out kind of the, more of the specifics of what that means for our church and our family over the next four weeks. Okay, so he gives us five imperatives or five commands just in these, these, uh, these two verses here in 12 and 13 in Deuteronomy. So let's go through them. One is fear the Lord your God. Okay, fear the Lord your God. So stand in awe of God. Fear him. Now, this is, this is an interesting word. And not, what, how do we work this out? And I began to think about this week, and, and the best illustration I could think of was when I was eight years old, okay? And I'm walking in the mall, okay? And I'm with my mom and with my dad and with my brother. Uh, brother, he's actually, he's seven years older. Um, and so we're walking through the mall. I don't know what happened, what my mom said, but I shove her, two-handed shove, my poor mom, if you've ever seen my mom, she's a 4'11 Asian woman, okay? So she goes, she goes moving, okay? There was not a second that passes before my father runs to me, grabs me by the shirt, shoves me up against the wall. We're in the mall. There's people here, right? Grabs me, literally, literally lifts me off the ground, and I will not use the choice language, but he says, if you ever do, if you ever push your mom again, I will kill you, okay? Yeah, in the mall at eight, okay? It's, it's like there's an arcade and like pay less and people are coming out and there's a father threatening his son. Now here's what's crazy. You bring that into 2015, he's probably like, that's child protective services stuff at this point. But back then it was like, no, yeah, you should kill him, okay? I mean, that, that was the reality of it. And so I get, and here's the thing. Now, I knew full well, I knew full well my dad loved me. He's always, I mean, everything had proven that. There was no question in my mind. But there was no chance I was ever pushing my mom. I also, from that moment, understood what it meant to live in a kind of reverent fear of someone else. Because the reality was, I don't think he'd ever do it. I knew he loved me. But at any moment, as he always says, I brought you into this world, I could just as easily take you out. Okay? Was you used that one before again? All right. <laughs> Haley, Ethan, sorry. And so this, this, okay, so we think about God in these terms. That God is that powerful. God has and, and could at any moment shove you up against the wall and said, I should destroy you. But he doesn't in his grace and in his mercy. He doesn't. And not only that, he sent one above and beyond, he sends his son Christ that we then also get to come back into the family and live in the fullness of what he's called us to. Okay, so we fear the Lord our God. Next one is we walk in all his ways. Okay, um, this, what does this mean? And there's kind of different ones. There's different imperatives here, but what do you mean to walk in all his ways? Now, you've heard WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? I think this is a little bit different, okay? I said this is HWJDT. Okay, a little bit longer bracelet. But how would, J, how would Jesus do that? H-W-J-D-T. How would Jesus do that? Because we're walk in all his ways. So in the way that Jesus addresses everything, you address it the same way. So it's not just about your outward manifestation. It's not just about your work. It's not just about serving. It's not just about uh, all of these... Le- it's about what is going on in here. How are you approaching the way that you love? How are you approaching the way you serve? How are you approaching the way that you care for people? This is what he's talking about. Walk in all his ways. So in everything, when you, and we're going to get into Mark, and we're just going to look at the life of Jesus, and we're just going to see, man, this is the way he did it. And then this is the way we're called to do it. it was the same way. 
with the eyes and the ears and the heart of Christ. Walk in all his ways. Again, a move for us. The next one is to love him, love God. This becomes very hard to quantify, right? We've talked about this before, but love gets very kind of neutered in our culture because it gets used for everything. We said you can love a burrito and you can love your spouse, right? You can do both. And they kind of, it's like, well, do I really love the burrito as much as, you know, just kidding. No, right? Absolutely not. And so that, that word loses some of its meaning in our culture. So what does it mean to really love God? And, and I couldn't express it in any other terms than for you guys and for me to just think about people we love. Like I remember this moment where it really clicked for me that I loved my parents. But for a lot of time, I was like, I just kind of assumed it, right? They're, they're my parents and they're going to take care of me and they put food on the table and but he might kill me, you know, whatever. Um, but they love me. And, and you know, I, I just love them. Like, I love seeing them. I love being around them. I love what they say to me. I love what they teach. I love what they provide. That didn't happen again for me, really, until, until I met my wife. But I was like, man, I just love Verity. Like, I love my wife. I can't really express why that is. I just do. Like, I see her, and I experience and feel love. I'm a, and the next time was when I saw my son. And I looked down at this little boy and I see his massive eyes and his double chin. And I said, man, I love you. You're my twin, man. And I just, I just feel this love for him. The question becomes, and especially for a guy like me, and there's probably people like me in, in, in the room today, that you have a hard time maybe feeling that type of emotion for God, for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I, I do, I'm going to be honest, I struggle with that. Like, I, I, I came to faith in a very cognitive, logical approach. Like, I sat down, I studied, I asked a lot of questions, and then the Holy Spirit came in and changed my world. So this whole thing about, man, feeling this emotion, just loving God, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's, it's tough for me, but this is, this is what I think God's calling us, that we would push into and move into this love for God that is even greater than the way we love the closest people in our life. And I think that, I think that stirs and, and I think that's different for each of us depending on how we experience and how we give love and all that. And so there's no one, way, one right way to love God, but we always say this here, find what stirs your affections for Jesus and do them. Right? All of us kind of have some of those things where it's like, okay, I do this, and for whatever reason, whether it be surfing like it is for me, or being in nature, or just having a quiet time, or listening to worship music, or coming to church, or eating a good burrito. Whatever those things are, in that moment, it's like, man, I, Jesus, right? Like, you're in this burrito right now. Whatever those things, and you know them, that cause you to think and to love God more, carve out the time intentionally in your week to do them as much as you can. Like, I get that we're all busy. We've got work. Like, you guys have school. You've got children. You've got grandchildren. You've got all these different things you have to think about. Carve out intentional time for you to do the things that stir your affections for Jesus. Otherwise, listen, you're always going to kind of walk around and like, I don't, I don't know. I, I do love him. There's, I believe him. Stir your affections for Christ. Find those things. Do them often. Next one is, <coughs> serve him with all your heart and soul. We have a saying here, all of life is all for Jesus. Right? That in everything you do, you're serving Christ. 
He's our master. He's our Lord. So everything we do gives him glory, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2, that everything we do is worship, sacrificial life and worship to God. So serve him. Do the things on mission that he's called us to do. In other words, evangelize, share, care for your brother and sister, support one another, pray for one another. Things we'll talk about over the next four weeks, okay? And then the last one, keep the commandments and statutes. And I... This is an interesting one because I think in, in post-Jesus time, right, so again, they're getting this in, in Deuteronomy 10. So this is the Torah. This is Moses writing. They're going to hear us keep the commands and statutes and they're thinking about, about 600 different laws that they have to obey. Okay? 200 and something, depending on which, which set of law you want to look at. But I mean, a lot of laws. We're looking at it as, well, there's grace and there's mercy and there's forgiveness. And so a lot of times we kind of toss aside holiness. Don't we? Like, hey, you know what? Like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, but I'm going to step over here and I know I'm forgiven and washed by the blood of Christ, right? I'm made white as snow. And so, yeah, holiness becomes less of a desire for the New Testament church than I think for the Old Testament church would have to constantly battle with a legal list of law that they had to obey. But the mandate is still the same. We just got through the book of Romans and nonstop. It's like, listen, free, be free from your sin. Abandon your sin. Leave your sin. You do not have to have that. You don't need to own that. Walk away from it. Fear God. Okay, walk in His commandments and statutes. So again, those individually, I, I hope you hear that, but really it's what you hear that we have to hear from God and we have to become the people God has called us to be. And sometimes we don't even know what that looks like. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Fear God, walk in His ways, love Him, serve Him, and then be holy. God has made this a mandate for His people, not a choice. And so again, I think that's a message that isn't too popular because you weren't sold on that vision when you first got saved. Maybe when you first came forward and you did the thing, maybe it was at camp, you know, where everyone else was getting saved, even the kid who's been saved for 26 years, right? It's like I'm running up the aisle. Whatever the story is, maybe, maybe that's you. And you're just like, listen, yeah, I, I gave my heart to Christ, but I, I was, it was like an infomercial, right? I was sold on the pitch, but not the product. The pitch sounded great. It was amazing. It set me free. I go to heaven. I don't go to hell. All, but not the product itself, because the product is, is Deuteronomy 10, 12, 12 and 13. This is how we live our life. That's, the, that's what's offered. Is, is freedom, but listen, it's, notice, do this what? For your good. And it has, listen, it has to come into view here. Because everything I just listed becomes obligation, I think, for us as humans, when we don't realize that everything that God commands of humanity is for our good. That the best way to live life is the way God tells us to live life. And I know that seems foreign. I know it seems crazy. But that's because since day one when you were born, you've been sold a different story from culture that says this is the best way to live life. But the Bible says something different. And so every day we have to navigate which story are we going to buy into. Okay. Walking in His ways fearing God, being holy, serving Him. All of these, listen, are for your good. And then it's for your good. More joy, peace, hope, 
and obedience to your Creator. Okay. It's for your good. It's for our good. One last illustration, and we'll kind of we'll come down off the hill. Uh, people tell me that I say I'm going to lay on this too much. And so here's what I'm doing. I'm entering into kind of like we're in the initial descent mode right now. Okay? We're initial descent. Um, I was on a, a cruise two years ago. I think, I, I don't know. I think it was about two years ago, Verity and I went on a cruise. We are on Carnival Cruise Lines. And, and, and you get on a cruise and you have to do nothing. Like, like literally, it is the laziest and most amazing five days of your life. Because you need to think about nothing. You just get to do, I mean, you don't have to think about where to eat. You don't have to think about money because you paid for it all beforehand. You can have as much food as you want. But you go to dinner, they give you a menu, and it's just like suggestions. You're just like, well, you're going have a lobster. Why don't you stuff a chicken in that lobster? <laughs> and they're like, we'll try and do it. <laughs> like, and you can have as many as you want. I mean, it is just unbelievable. We're going on another one in May. It's just, you know, getting skinnier. And, uh, and so I'm going to be on that cruise, and I was thinking about that this week, and then I thought about, you know, I was like, well, man, is that... That seems to be the way that we view the Christian life at times. It seems to be the way that the, the kind of vision of the Christian life that Hallowas talks about in his quote, and that we're trying to address here, and the Bible talks about over and over and over, is, is we just kind of get in, and then we cruise. We're not going real fast. We kind of just, you know, we cruise ship speed. We just get fat. We said we were going to go to the, the on-ship track. Well, that doesn't happen. We said you go and watch shows. And we just, we just begin to kind of hibernate. And, and just, we just sit in this ship and we slowly travel. And we become just real happy with what we've got. I thought about this week and, and I thought, man, what about, what if it's not that? What if the Bible does point us to something different? And then I, I thought about my visit to the USS Midway. Okay? And if you haven't been to that, it's an aircraft carrier in San Diego. And it's been in all sorts of different wars and battles and, well, things like that, right? And I remember being at the USS Midway, and I used to live in San Diego, so we'd pass it all the time. And we'd just go downtown, it's right there off the coast, and so you just, you just see it sitting there, and, and, and you can go on board and take a tour. And so finally we did it after years and years of living there, like, oh, let's go do it. So we get on board the Midway, it's interesting. You just you stand on top of this aircraft carrier, and you're just somewhat in awe of just the enormity of this thing. Like we built this, and it floats. Like that's ridiculous. But you're standing on it, and I tell you what. You see, maybe it's you see the planes that are there that used to fly when it was in operation. Maybe it's the gun. Maybe you know whatever it is. Maybe it's the quarters. But you just get this sense of mission when you're on it. Like, you stand on this thing, and it's like, this thing was meant for mission. This thing was meant to go. This thing was meant to do stuff. This thing was meant to... And so you stand there, and you're just like, wow, I... Maybe, I, I think that's what the church is supposed to look like. Maybe far, far less like a cruise ship. It's more like an aircraft carrier. Where, listen, you can have fun on the aircraft carrier. There's a basketball hoop on there. I'm sure the guys enjoy it but you're also on mission the whole time. And as we go as a church, as an air, aircraft carrier church, as we move forward, Redemption Flagstaff, we will send different people from our ship around the world to go on mission to see God's name glorified 
and people given the same great gospel story that we've received. Okay. This, I think, is who we're supposed to be. Okay. And again, that's what the next four weeks kind of help us decipher. All right. Verses 14 and 15 say this, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all peoples as you are this day. These two verses give me hope, and I hope they give you hope. Because I get to the end of that list, and if I'm honest with myself, and I think through my previous experience, I'm just like, well, man, I ought to try to do that, Christian. You know, like, I, I try to engage in that, but I fail all this thinking time. And how, verses 14 and 15 give me hope, because they say, listen, the creator of the universe, right? The one who holds everything together, the heavens and the heavens have this God chose me and chose you and chooses a family for his glory and his work in the world. Okay? Um, I, I don't know how many of you are New Orleans Saints fans. My guess is all of you, but don't want to presume. During the 2010 run to the Super Bowl, okay, the kicker's name was Garrett Hartley for the New Orleans Saints, and he was a rookie kicker. Okay? Comes to the NFC Championship game. They bring him out onto the field to kick a 47-yard field goal to end the game in overtime. Okay? Garrett Hartley is running onto the field. Coach Sean Payton says to him, Hey, Garrett, stop for a second. Okay? And this was all mic'd up and stuff like that. He says, Stop for a second. He goes, You're going to make this kick. And Garrett Hartley says, Yeah. He goes, You want to know why? Garrett says, yeah. He goes, because we chose you. Because we chose you. And so you went out and made the kick. Now, I'm not saying there might have been that story in another game where they missed a kick. I have no idea. But in this story, he made the kick. There's something empowering with this reality. Listen, you belong. You belong here. You're his. You're saved. You belong in his family. You've been adopted. Stop thinking that you're not. You have been chosen by God. If you love Jesus, you have been chosen by God to be in his family. Now go and live as you should. That's the good news of the gospel. It doesn't just give us a bunch of commands and say, hey, good luck. It says, here's a bunch of commands, but guess what? I'm going to die in your place, live the life you could not live, die the death that you deserve, and raise on the third day that you could experience new life, restoration, and new hope, that you could walk in the patterns and in the ways of God that people before you were not able to. That is the gospel, friends. Because all this is just daunting outside of reality that we have a Savior, we have Christ who came into our reality and provided a way for us to not just be saved, but to live out the mission that God has enacted since the fall. That is good news for us. Without it, we're just toiling. We're striving in the wind, and we will fail. Because of the gospel, because of the good news, we can actually step into this. We've been chosen. Know that. Know that truth. Okay. Um, verses 16 and 17, and I will say it, we are landing here. It says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. Now circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. Okay? The most awkward application ever. <laughs> right? How are you going to tie this one in? Um, 
So what we're going to do, we're going to go home, get some knives. Okay? Just kidding. Bad joke. What's he talking about here? What's it, what is this about? This is, this is somewhat, uh, it's a huge revelation to the people of God, even here in Deuteronomy 10. Because, see, the practice of circumcision in the Old Testament was, was a big deal. Okay? It was a big deal because it, it, it denoted who was God's people and who wasn't. Okay, so if you were circumcised, okay, you're, you're God's people. Right? Abraham passes it, comes through him, he's like, oh, hey, hey, we all need to be circumcised. Worst announcement ever from him, right? But then it just kind of becomes practice. Everyone gets circumcised. Deuteronomy 10 comes and says, circumcise your heart now. Circumcise your heart. And so it shows, listen, it's always been about this. Even, even in the Old Testament, it, it wasn't about the external. It, it's always been about this. It's about faith. Circumcise your heart. In other words, mark yourself by the Spirit of God and live out His commandments. Okay. Decide. Step in. Push into. Acknowledge what you've been called to as an individual, as us as a church, let us acknowledge what we've been called to here in the city of Flagstaff. And let us mark our hearts to say, I'm in. I'm engaged. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit change me, uh, restore me, make me new, and make me the disciple that He wants to make. And so, the next four weeks, we get to talk about some of the issues that I think will help us get there. Some of the issues that right here in our church, that, and even if this isn't your church and you're just stopping in for the next few weeks or whatever, these are still going to be beneficial, regardless if you're here at Redemption Flagstaff or not. But for us, this is going to shape us, I hope. Okay. Um, so we'll talk about prayer. We'll talk about evangelism. We'll talk about mentorship. We'll talk about giving. But today, I want the application for us to be that we would mark ourselves, that we would choose that our hearts would say, I know, I'm in, I'm engaged. God, I'll make me grow, change me, mold me into the disciple that you called me to be in the beginning. Okay? And then we'll handle some of the specifics over the next four weeks. So come back for those two. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. We'd be lost. We'd be lost without your choosing, without your loving. God, thank you that you chose to come and to live lives that we just could not live. Perfect lives. God, thank you that although we were destined for death and decay and destruction. God, that you took that upon yourself and so that we have hope. God, thank you that you rose on the third day that, God, we could walk in the new life here and now. God, that, that we can truly actually walk in your ways. We can be like Jesus. We can do things the way that you've done them. And so, Lord, would you convict us of that truth and then move us in motivation to be open to allow the Holy Spirit to change us in those endeavors. God, I pray that 
what would come of this series, what would just come of the preaching of your word, what would come through the worship of your name today and over the next four weeks and into this whole year, God, that it would have an impact for the kingdom of God. God, that we'd be called into an adventure that shows that the kingdom of God is expanding and we're part of that. Lord, I pray for any here today, God, who they're just visiting and, and they came today uh, not, not really buying the whole story and, and thinking the gospel was crazy and, and all that stuff. Lord, I, I, I pray, God, you're, you're just be obvious to them. God, reveal yourself in powerful ways the way you have uh, to, to many of us in the room. God, forgive, save, disciple, change, equip, and send. All of us, God, for your glory. Thank you, God, we can open up your word. We can be changed by it. We can be shaped by the Holy Spirit. I pray now, Lord, that as we respond, God, bring conviction. God, may we not move and trend towards apathy or complacency, but be excited and rejuvenated by the call of God, the missionary call of God to become His family in this world for the sake of the gospel. It's in your name we pray. Amen.